0: Welcome to Exposing Your High School Reading List.
1: This podcast is dedicated to unpacking and improving the high school English curriculum.
2: This episode, we're going to be discussing Edgar Allan Poe. We would like to just ask, why? Are there any lessons that we're supposed to get out of Edgar Allan Poe? Are there any vibes?
0: (laughs) There
3: sure are some vibes.
0: Some creepy
2: vibes.
3: (laughs) Yeah, what's the point other than that it's creepy? The following episode may contain some triggering content, we would like you to go to booktriggerwarnings.com and see if any of Edgar Allan Poe's works contain triggers for you, as it is more important that you watch your mental health than that you listen to us.
1: Okay, to introduce us today, our question is, what do you drink
0: when it's cold, Greta? My name is Greta, and uh, I am not a coffee drinker, never have been, so... Uh, I always have to go for a special type of tea, and I think in this specific instance, I'm going to lean towards a nice Indian chai. Nice.
3: Cozy. I'm Lauren, and gosh, my favorite cold-weather drink is Starbucks Snickerdoodle Hot Chocolate. It's a white hot chocolate with, like, cinnamon, and it is my favorite drink. And I know I shouldn't be like, ah, corporations, but man... Love it so much. <laughs> they make good stuff. They do. They do.
2: I'm Becca. My go-to cold weather drink is always just a regular hot chocolate with cinnamon. Sometimes you can add some marshmallow fluff to it, and it's so good.
1: That sounds fantastic.
2: It's so good in hot
0: chocolate.
2: Yeah, you you mix it in instead of just having like the the fully Becca? formed marshmallows. You mix it in, and it makes it creamier. It also it still wow. does kind of float at the top, but it melts in easier. It's wow. really good.
0: All right, so that's on my list now. Exciting. Yeah. Wow, mine.
1: Despite the fact that I hate the holiday season, uh, peppermint hot chocolate oh. from Starbucks. I'm Elise. I'm Elise. I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> like that's relevant, because um, you know Christmas is all of November and December, and my one consolation is the uh, peppermint hot chocolate. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just to give some context for everybody, we all have very different experiences with um, Edgar Allan Poe in high school. I actually didn't do any Edgar Allan Poe in high school.
0: Please read The <laughs> Telltale Heart in middle school?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I might have read another thing. I don't, that's the one that I remember. And I've heard Annabelle Lee.
0: I mm. loved Annabelle Lee, actually. I had almost forgotten about that one. Um, I actually read a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe in high school. There was like a whole unit dedicated to it in American lit. So I read um, like 10 of his short stories and yeah, like the pendulum, we're gonna get into that one, guys. I have stuff to say, but regardless. Yeah, so I read a bunch of his short stories and then quite a few of his poems, but the short stories I think are what stuck with me and probably with most people.
1: I think that makes sense that I didn't read any because in my high school, we had um, an option our junior year to pick um, one of world lit, American lit, and British lit. And I read, I took British lit. So maybe, had I taken American lit, I could add more to this discussion.
3: Yeah. So I read Telltale Heart freshman year and I. Barely remembered it. I had to reread it last night. It was so much more disturbing than I remembered. I remembered it being disturbing. Oh, yeah. I remembered it being creepy, but I didn't remember it being, like, outright him being like, yes, I sawed their bones off in a tub. Ha ha. And I was like, oh. Um, and then we read The Raven my senior year as, like, a little treat um, to have a break between the Hamlet sections. A little
0: Halloween treat. A little Halloween treat. You can have a little Edgar Allan Poe as <laughs> a treat.
2: <laughs> uh, I read most of my Edgar Allan Poe in middle school. I think maybe we were reintroduced to Annabelle Lee or one of his other stories or poems in my freshman year of high school. Um, but we read quite a few. We also read Telltale Heart. Um... The Pendulum, another that I can no longer remember.
1: Someone remind me of The Pendulum.
0: Oh, boy. Do I have a story for you. (laughs) Should I be concerned? (laughs) (laughs) The Pendulum is... We got the name wrong. Yeah, it is called The Pit and the Pendulum. Oh, Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I just wanted to verify my facts. That's good. Um, Yeah, The pit Pit and the Pendulum. So he's in, like, this torture pit is what it is. The Pit of Despair? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> basically, imagine.
1: Shout out to uh, The Princess Bride. Oh, I love that. Oh, yes.
0: What a great movie.
1: It's so good. Back to Edgar Allan <sighs> Poe.
0: Probably, like, the story that Edgar Allan Poe wrote that has the least amount of actual plot. Um,
2: it's, like, all in his head, right? Like, all the plot is right, in his own thoughts.
0: So, yeah, so it's uh, from the perspective of this guy who's strapped to this table in someone else's, I don't know, torture chamber question mark <laughs> and um he's strapped to this table and he's we're just slowly like listening to his thought process as like this swinging pendulum above him that has an axe attached to it slowly lowers towards his stomach and is going to slice him open. And so we just get like this psychological perspective of this guy as he's being tortured before he dies. Yeah. Do we get the actual death? Guys, I have some bad news. What? He does not die at the end of the, the pendulum. <laughs> <gasps> what? He does not die? No, I forgot because it was like super weird. So like the whole deal with like the Spanish were the ones that were like torturing this man. And then this, the Inquisition gets put in the hands of its enemies at the end. The French army comes in and like saves him.
1: The French saving someone? <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> I'm allowed to say that as a French major. I'm allowed to say that.
0: Yeah. So he doesn't die, question mark. But it's also, like, the last, literally, like, the last four sentences are him going, like, ah, there's voices, and then the French are in, and then the Inquisition is in the hands of its enemies.
2: I could argue that that's him making up I know, a better be. solution as he dies. It's, like, a Hollywood dies.
0: ending. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It like, feels, like, it comes yeah. in,
1: it's, like, cheapened. What?
2: Wow. Okay. It's, like, a brief tangent, but last night I watched the episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer titled The Body.
1: Oh my Um, god. And
2: so real quick, if you haven't yet seen Buffy, like I haven't finished it yet, there will be spoilers in this discussion. So Buffy's mom dies, right? Very suddenly. Season 5. Yes. And so a good portion of that episode is Buffy trying to rationalize her mom's death and imagining scenarios in which Buffy got to her in time and she didn't actually die. So It's like
1: visceral. That episode is so amazing i can't
2: i cried i definitely cried i cry every time so possibly that's affecting my reading or remembering of this passage but it definitely feels like the same vibe where the main character of the pit in the pendulum is then trying to imagine a scenario in which he escapes yeah. or gets saved that's cool
1: i like that interpretation and i could i right i haven't read this one yeah i haven't either but it seems weird so, yeah. But if you spend the entire time talking like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and then at the end, you just magically don't, it's
3: it's weird. It's just a metaphor for anxiety. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Allan Poe, colon, a metaphor for anxiety.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, just like all of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. He does deal with some pretty heavy subject matter throughout. I mean, Annabelle is about, like... The young love who dies young. Speaking of lonely men, the Raven. That was such an interesting day because
3: it was around Halloween and they passed out the Raven and they were like, today we're taking a break from Hamlet. Today, you guys get to analyze the Raven. And then we'd get, you know, it was, it was the, you have to find all of the, all of the interesting points. Tell us what the Raven means. And we're all there like, I don't know what the
2: Raven means. Ours was presented in a pretty similar way. Um, It was also around Halloween. I think that's kind of the general time frame for this. I remember my eighth grade English teacher dressed as Edgar Allan Poe's dead wife. Oh! Um, So she had like blackened flowers and was like in this dirty wedding gown. It was a very interesting move. She was a very wonderful woman. Very interesting move. Um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) This
3: whole episode is just,
2: why? Right? So... She let us read The Raven. She, again, is a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan. So this was definitely, in her mind, a treat for us. And I did really enjoy it when we first read it. But then beyond that, like after we analyzed it, she was like, and now let's watch The Simpsons. And we were like, what? (laughs) What? But then it was like the Treehouse of Horror episode where like Bart Simpson is now The Raven and he looks all goofy. So that was definitely an interesting way to kind of reimagine it and really make it more interesting for us because... I mean, as an English major, I found it more interesting than I think some of my classmates did, which isn't always the case. Let me put that out there. But I did actually really enjoy that assignment and getting to go through it and look at it so deeply, especially we did it. It was a group thing, the whole class kind of doing it popcorn style.
3: Oh, that's cool.
1: I didn't really do that a lot with any poetry.
2: We didn't for the most part, but I think for this one, my teacher just really wanted to hear everyone's perspective kind of more evenly, and then we got to see it kind of on screen, and that kind of helped us visualize what was happening in the story it's just a really interesting way to do it. I would recommend it.
0: And that's kind of a really cool thing to do with The Raven in particular, like going around like kind of popcorn style because um, there's so much repetition in it, you know, and just like hearing everyone get to say like "Quoth the Raven evermore. I think that's a really cool kind of use of the popcorn thing because it's one thing with poetry, right? Like if you're going to give everyone like a totally different line. And everyone has totally different cadences, and so you're not really understanding the piece as a whole. But when there's that much repetition, I think it's kind of a really cool device.
1: Yeah, and I should say that my experience with the Raven is from the Gilmore Girls episode. Sure. Where they have the Poe um, impersonators. So that's that's what I've got. But sounds like... It could have been a really interesting thing that I had done in class (laughs) and my teachers had me do that.
0: I will say, Becca, when you brought up that your teacher dressed up as Edgar Allan Poe's wife, it brought back like a a memory, a visceral memory for me of in... In high school, when we were doing our Edgar Allan Poe unit, I totally blocked this out, but we had watched this documentary on Edgar Allan Poe, and I remember being so freaked out by it because it essentially told us that, like, he was a stalker, and it, like, documented his whole experience stalking this woman.
2: Yeah. I don't know that I ever heard about that part. I do know that he did marry his first cousin, who was 13 years old, and he was 26 or 27, I believe. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. he was a weird man. Twice her age.
3: I can't get over that they made a documentary about Poe being a stalker. That is, I have never heard of that.
0: Yeah, no, we watched it and it was like, oh, look, he was a really great poet. But like, did you also know? (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, but this
1: brings up a great, you know, point of our main question. Why? Right? Because there are other creepy things that we could read. There are other really intelligent, like, poets and short stories that are freaking weird. And, like, should we still be reading Edgar Allan Poe if he is a pedophile and a stalker? Mm.
0: Yeah, great question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, like, the reason I think why we still read Edgar Allan Poe is less to do with, like, oh, look, he's, like, the person who founded the writing on, like, creepy literature and Halloween stuff and, like, whatever, right? I think it's less that and more, like, he writes about body horror and anxiety in particular in a way that no one, I don't want to say no one else does, right? But, like, he has become, like, the, the foundation of that. And so, I mean, I think there is some value in, like, looking at those texts as, like, a way of understanding better writing and writing about those things. I think, you know, doing what I did in <laughs> school where you have like two months dedicated to that probably isn't going to be ideal. Um, yeah, that's a long time. I know. <laughs> and it takes a hot minute. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think doing it to the extent that we do it in high school is like that great of an experiment in like, understanding writing, but I do think that, like, you know, in in small chunks, it's not a horrible idea.
3: I really wish they had introduced it in any way at all, because I don't know about you guys, but for us, it was just, here's the thing, read it, analyze it, and then they never told us what it was about, why we were reading it, what we were looking for. If they had gone, we are trying to look at writing and how we write horror, Mm -hmm. I would have gotten so much more from it.
1: I think that's a great point, too, because, you know, we're handed things a lot, like when we're in middle school and high school, just like that. And when you give kids a reason for it, when you give them like an objective, I think that changes things. Because if I'm looking at a really long text, maybe it's not in language that I'm used to reading. If I'm looking for something specific, if I'm saying, oh, man, you know, I'm a writer because I knew back then that I was, this is something I could gain something from this, you know, then I'm going to read it in a
2: much different way and it's going to stick with me a lot more. Yeah, and especially since for many of us, Edgar Allan Poe was introduced a little bit younger, I think giving us that context then could help as we, you know, develop as writers and as students. I know, especially in my later years of high school, we would be given a piece of writing and just be like, you need to figure out the significance of this, or you need to like completely analyze it, but we wouldn't even necessarily know what it was saying. I think introducing these smaller stories and poems can really help us develop that taste later on, or that kind of knowledge. So that if we know what we're looking for and then figure out how to find it, then you can kind of, I don't want to say like reverse engineer it, but in a way, then you can figure out if you don't know what you're looking for, you have the tools to then get back to it and answer the question.
1: I remember a lot of times in middle school and high school where we would do something, we'd do an activity, you know, we'd be handed the thing, they'd say, do this. And we'd go, okay, right? Because we were students. And then we'd spend, you know, half an hour on it or whatever. And then they'd come back and they'd bring us all together as a class. And they'd go, okay, this is why we're doing this. Oh. And I was like, why didn't you tell me that before? And I think especially, you know, I had undiagnosed ADHD then. Giving me some kind of motivation other than just do this because you have to is so helpful. And I don't know that there's that much value in like keeping it a mystery, keeping the reasoning a mystery when you could just be straight up and say, you know, this is what we're looking for. This is why this is important. And you guys should learn this, you know, like, I think that's okay. I think we can say that to kids.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm kind of jealous because we didn't even get an explanation afterwards. We'd have the like, oh, well, you guys didn't analyze this properly and you didn't find everything I was looking for. So now you get points off. And then the worst was when we would be handed very disturbing stories, and they wouldn't tell us anything about it because they wanted to watch us see that bit and just be
2: horrified.
3: That's
1: sadistic.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. I know some writers also, like, refuse to put content warnings on their things because they want to get that, like, element of shock. But that's not a good way or a valuable way to do things. You need to give your audience proper warning. And if you're a good enough writer, it will still be shocking and horrifying. But don't traumatize people, which I think is one of the main points of this podcast is how not to traumatize people. That was Greta's dramatic
1: sigh, by the way. And I very much felt it because, you know, as Becca said, like, if you are a good writer, you will still have the shock factor. Even if you say trigger warning X, you will still have the shock factor in your readers.
2: All right, and with that, we want to hear from you. What lessons do you remember from reading Edgar Allan Poe's work? Is there anything that you think could be changed or done better? Teachers, why do you teach Edgar Allan Poe? Is there anything that you specifically want students to get out of this or anything that you particularly love about it? You can let us know that by finding
1: us on social media. At EYRL Podcast, that's at EYRL Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to leave us a comment on Instagram, reply we'll to any of our tweets, or just tweet at us. We now have a website, EYRL and you can go old school and send us an email, podcasteyrl@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So that's flipped. And you can also still participate in our survey, which is linked everywhere it will be on our website it is on the pinned tweet and the pinned instagram post
2: thank you so much for listening to us we hope you enjoyed this